welcome to Vibecast. I'm your host, Ray Dogum, and our guest today is Andrew Gray, co-founder of Karma Biotech. Andrew, thank you for joining me today. How are you? Thanks. Uh, yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Can you tell the audience where you're calling us from and then maybe just dive into you know, what brought you here today? What's your career journey look like? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm the co-founder and CEO of Karma Biotechnologies. We're based in Los Angeles. Um, been there since the beginning. Uh, you know, a lot of biotech startups kind of... Uh, coalescing into a little hub there so that's cool um and what karma does is we engineer immune cells in vivo uh to make therapeutics locally at sites of disease um and to do that we've developed this proprietary technology that lets us basically do in vivo what a lot of other companies do ex vivo uh like car t therapies and stuff like that not a main focus but that's the sort of thing we do but we want to do everything in the body because we want to make things accessible. Doing anything in ex vivo is extraordinarily expensive and and basically out of reach for most people. Interesting. When you say in vivo, you're talking about in in animals or in in humans or what's? Can you explain it will, a little further? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the goal is to make cancer therapeutics um, for human beings. So instead of how things are done now, so say you're getting a CAR T therapy, um, your physician will order that this drug is basically custom made for you. And the company that makes it will take cells out of your body, take them to a lab, engineer them in a dish, make sure they're all good, make sure they're still sterile, ship them back to your physician, and they will infuse them over a few different doses. So there's a lot of moving parts there and you know, very, very specific facilities, highly trained personnel, and therefore it's really, really expensive. And it takes a lot of time too. So what we want to do is cut out the middleman essentially and go straight into the body with our technology and engineer your cells right there in, in your spleen, for example, um, to make them more likely to attack your cancer or whatever it is. I mean, that sounds really great. You skip a whole like process that takes presumably weeks at least, and there's yep, a lot of yep. failure points, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Why hasn't this been done before? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's a good point, right? And fundamentally the answer is that uh the delivery technologies just haven't been there, right? So to be able to engineer a cell genetically, you have to get genetic material into that cell, whether it's RNA or DNA. And um especially for DNA, uh that's really, really hard. And the only real option we've had up until now has been viruses, um, so viral vectors. And those come with a whole slew of problems of their own. You know, they have limited um, size. You can't get every payload in there that you would want. They're generally immunogenic, although there's been a lot of progress made on that front. But the ones that are immunogenic, you can't dose them more than once, which is problematic, or maybe a couple of times. Um, manufacturing them is really, really hard, right? And takes huge facilities. Uh, so viral vectors are not ideal by any stretch and it's really hard to inject them systemically and get them to do what you really want them to do. Um, so Karma's insight was instead of using a viral delivery system for our DNA payloads, we could develop a non-viral version. And it's actually very similar to uh, the lipid nanoparticles that have just saved the world from COVID, right, with our COVID vaccines. Um, but we've developed this proprietary structure that makes them a lot more stable than the current technologies are. So we can basically get the right DNA payloads and, and RNA payloads, either alone or in combination, to the right cells in the right ratios to make the right changes to actually get the therapeutic benefits that we want. Wow, that sounds potentially break, um, you know, groundbreaking potentially. So 
Can you describe maybe in more detail sort of what drove you to this insight? I think we yeah. could start there and then yeah. um, maybe just your background, I think as well would be helpful for the audience. Like, yeah, you know, sure. Kind of... uh, yeah. We didn't, we didn't do the, the classic intros. Yeah. Uh, yeah so um, my PhD was in um, tumor immunology. I did that at USC in the lab of Martin Kast. Um, and uh, really what, what, I've always been fascinated by ever since I was a kid was the immune system, right? The immune system is this phenomenal thing that's evolved over millions and millions and millions of years. Um, and without immune systems, people wouldn't be around, animals wouldn't be around. It would have fundamentally changed everything. And I was really intrigued by it because it's basically like a, it's like a dissociated organ that goes everywhere, right? And this really vast network of different cells, all these different jobs, and they all interact with each other in different ways under different circumstances. Um, and that can go and catastrophically wrong at times too, right? So it's like miraculous until it's not. Um, and I learned this when I was a kid because um, my mom was diagnosed with myasthenia gravis, which is an autoimmune disease, um, when I was about eight. And um, I, I just couldn't understand, well, I couldn't understand a couple of things. First of all, why was her own immune system attacking her? That didn't make a lot of sense to me. The immune system is supposed to be the good guys. Uh, and then secondly, the, this doctor was telling me that there was essentially nothing they could do. There was no cure. Um, she probably wouldn't be around for more than a couple of years, which seems in hindsight to be a really strange thing to tell an eight-year-old kid. And I just couldn't fathom how there was nothing they could do, right? Like I, I'd grown up on Star Trek and Dr. McCoy always figured out the problem, right? Like he always found the cure and everything was all right at the end. And this guy was telling me that that just it could manage symptoms and that was that. So it really you know, triggered this thing. I was always kind of a scientifically minded nerdy kid, but I'd never really been super interested in biology other than like nature shows and things. And that made me really think, okay, if the immune system can go so wrong, can we fix it somehow? And at a very rudimentary level, you know, but it's really colored my career all the way through. Um, I will say that um, the doctor was wrong. My mother did make it way past two years. Uh, she actually came from the UK to visit us in LA just two weeks ago. Um, I, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so she's, you know, she's, you know, not, she still has a lot of effects and it's definitely changed her whole life but uh, and the lives of our family but she worked as a, an OR nurse for the British NHS for like 25 years of this disease um, and that's mostly because of her stubbornness and badassery but also because she <laughs> you know she was one of the lucky ones um, here's to your mind yeah that's, that's yeah great. Uh, thank you <laughs> um, yeah so anyway I um, I went to Edinburgh University to um, study genetics uh, as an undergrad um, and then during that time, I had the opportunity to go to Berkeley for a year as an exchange student and a year in California sounded really good after two years of Scottish winters. So I did that, really fell in love with California um, and decided to come back to do my PhD. And my goal was just to come for a couple of, well, for the duration of the, the PhD and then go home. And at the end of that, during my, I ended up doing a postdoc and during my postdoc, I then met my wife and she's born and raised in LA. So we put down these roots and that's one reason Karma is, is based in LA because I have this awesome support network around me, which is her family and her friends became my friends and obviously I have my own friends from school and different hobbies and things um but often you know when you get asked 
why why did you choose LA to build your company? And it's like, well, where we were, right? And that's you know, why not do it here? There's pros and cons to everything. Right. And and LA has this, you know, some of the universities are amazing and we produce so many great scientists and engineers. There's so much talent, early talent especially. It's a great place to hire new grads and things. And, you know, I and people want to live in LA. Spoiler alert, like it's a really nice place to live. You know, you can be Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Most people talk about San Francisco mm -hmm. or like San Diego, of yep. course, Boston for biotech. Right, right. But L LA is up there too, I think, yeah. especially you know, given, like you mentioned, the universities up there. Right. So that's great. Yep. Um, let's dive into some of like the, uh, just for the audience's sake, understanding the mechanisms behind oncology. And I don't want to get, you know, there's a lot yeah, there, yeah. of course, yeah. but maybe sure. just specifically in the context of how karma looks right. to um, attack the problem. Yeah. So um, when I was recruited to Martin Cass lab at USC, what they were working on were these um, well, cancer vaccines uh, for cervical and for prostate cancer. And I was recruited to the prostate group. Uh, and there's this observation that these vaccines work phenomenally well if you treated the mouse early enough in the genesis of its cancer. But there was a cutoff where if you missed this window of opportunity, it basically wouldn't work at all. Um, and we're talking about these mice would survive until old age, like being two years old when they should have died of cancer when they were six months old. Um, so that was phenomenal data. And, you know, we made CNN with that. And uh, I remember there's a little snippet in Men's Health magazine. And I was like, who else at USC is working on prostate cancer vaccines? And I realized it was our work. Uh, so it was kind of a, I still have that magazine. Super cool. But why not in later stage cancers? What What's the point of failure there? Um, so I was recruited because I had this interest in immunology and in autoimmune disease, um, which is essentially with the cancer vaccine, what you're doing, you're inducing an autoimmune response to a tissue that is still self and you're trying to break tolerance. And what tumors are supremely good at is building and maintaining immune tolerance to themselves, essentially either hiding from the immune system or worse, subverting it to protect the tumor, which is actually what happens. So like the, the, the tumors secrete all these different factors and all of the immune cells that are going in to try and kill that tumor, they either get shut down or they get turned to the dark side and will act actively start protecting that tumor. Um, so the cancers that kill you are the ones that avoid the immune system. You know, we've probably all had cancer and our immune system has taken care of it and we never know. But when the tumors evolve these suppressive mechanisms, that's when they can escape. And Karma's insight was, okay, if there's a microenvironment that's immune suppressive, what if we infiltrate that microenvironment with cells that can then secrete pro-immune factors like um, pro-inflammatory cytokines, for example, locally within the tumor and basically start switching on that local immune response that has been switched off. So we're breaking down cancer's defenses from the inside out. And that was... That was one of the, the insights we got from my PhD work. And, um, you know, we, we knew we were building the technology that could achieve this. And now it's a case of proving it out. Very interesting. Yeah. One of the questions I wonder about is, you know, what sort of delivery mechanism do you have in place yeah. to find the tumor right. mass in the body in the right place mm -hmm. at the right time and then being able to penetrate? Yeah. So that, that's one question sure. I have. And then, yeah. Yeah. So this is this is something we get asked about all the time. Right. And I, you know, I. This is, Karma is not my first company. I, I'd previously done a startup that was delivering traditional small molecule cytotoxic drugs in a, essentially a fancy liposome that was supposed to be targeted to the tumor. 
and it was a little more specific to the tumor. It had a peptide on the outside, but a lot of it still went to the liver. And then you were getting this horrible cytotoxic drug buildup in the liver, and that would be problematic, right? So I, I think it's very, very challenging to target a nanoparticle or anything else specifically to a tumor. I think you're always going to get some non-specific uptake or targeting or, or non-targeting, I guess. Um, so I, for Karma, we just tossed that whole thing out. We were like, let's build a nanoparticle platform that goes everywhere, but only turns on in the cells that we want it to turn on. So if it gets into the liver, hmm. then they just don't activate. They get biodegraded. But if they go into a macrophage in this case, they do get turned on and the payload starts getting expressed. And that macrophage becomes a living factory for whatever that protein is, that therapeutic drug. Um, and then the macrophages go from the spleen where they get engineered to wherever the site of danger is, in this case, the tumor, which is their natural thing. It's what they want to do. It's what they've evolved to do for however many millions of years. So we're exploiting their ability to get themselves to the tumor where normally they get shut down and subverted. And what we're doing is we're basically giving them the tools, delivering a payload that gives those the, the tools to avoid that fate when they get there and then start producing some beneficial proteins that will switch on the rest of the immune cells that are either already there or that are still trying to infiltrate and come in. Interesting. Um, yeah, and I appreciate like you sharing all that background on the science and the technology and you know how you guys are working on something a little bit different than others. Um, I guess one question I have for you here is, as a company, Kama Biotech, what are your next critical inflection points? Like, What stage are you at the, uh, at the company? Yeah. Yeah, so um, we're pre-seed at the moment. Um, we are raising a seed round um, later this year. So um, we're actually going through the Indie Buyer Accelerator program in San Francisco right now, uh, which is amazing. And uh, if any startups are out there that are thinking about doing it, call me and um, absolutely I'll, I'll help you navigate that process. Uh, it's, it's incredible. So we'll be doing our seed um, opening end of October. Um, How much are you looking to raise? And the goal with that, uh, we'd be raising 5 million, uh, give or take. Uh, we, we have a fair bit of traction already, actually. Um, so a couple of potential leads already looking at us. So that's, that's going really well. Um, and the goal then would be to use that to get proof of concept in, um, human models. So like these new, uh, micro tumor models that incorporate the whole immune system, like from real patient tumors with real patient immune cells. Um, there's a couple of companies that are doing that. So we'd be partnering up with them to, to really show that we're remodeling those tumors in a way that is pro-immune and avoiding immune suppression. Is that in a dish um, and, or is that in a... That's in a dish, yeah. It's uh, like, uh, there's a company called Pear Bio in the UK. They, they're supremely good at this. Hmm. Awesome. Um, amazing data. So we'll be doing that to screen as many different solid tumors derived from real patients as possible to show which solid tumors we basically turn from being immunologically cold to immunologically hot again. Hmm. Um, so that's very compelling. And then once we've screened those, we'll move into mouse models and show that the biodistribution and everything that we expect is happening and we're getting efficacy in those mice. And then we'll begin our IND enabling studies at that point as well. Um, so that come the series A, we'll be able to do our IND, uh, our IND studies and um, a phase one clinical trial. Um, and that will be in about two years from now. That's excellent. Um, wishing you the best of luck on that. And wondering also, um, are you working with any other you mentioned that you're at Indie Bio. You're also working with this company, mm -hmm. you're contracting with them on 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you said pair bio. Are there other partnerships yeah. that you're also seeking other types of companies that you feel would help uh, you along? Sure. Um, yeah. So we're, we're pretty selective because we've, we built this awesome DNA and RNA delivery platform. And um, our superpower is actually that we can deliver both at the same time, which is a very rare capability. Um, and that means that we can do gene editing and things like that. You can imagine like a CRISPR system where you need a DNA component and an RNA component simultaneously. We can do that. Um, but we're very selective about who we partner with. So we have one major gene editing partner who wants to use our technology to deliver their stuff. So that's not really our therapeutic side of the business. That's us. You know, we don't want to be an LNP CRO, basically. Um, but strategically, it makes sense for us to do that deal because we want to use their technology to help build our therapeutics. Um, but then beyond that, you know, the obvious candidates are the big pharma and big, big biotech companies that are already doing immuno-oncology work. Um, because of, you know, what we're trying to do here is remodel the tumor to make it hot again. So you can imagine that existing immuno-oncology drugs, where they tend to fail is they don't, they, they hyperstimulate the immune cells, but then those immune cells can't go into the tumor. Or when they do go into the tumor, they get shut down. So what we're trying to do is basically prepare that tumor to be more favorable for that group of immune cells to come in. So we're like preparing the battlefield. You're priming the, the tumor to be receptive to the its own for, right. from the bot, you know, receptive to the body's own immune system, sort of like softening exactly. the tumor so that it's um, yeah, exactly approachable by the immune system to right. You know, exactly to start. Yeah, so that could be paired up with you know like a checkpoint inhibitor where it's the patient's immune cells, or you know a, a CAR and K type approach or a CAR T approach where it's an engineered cell. You know, and I I talked about the challenges with that earlier, but. The fact is they do work really, really well when they get into tubers. They're amazing. They've been game changing for the subtypes of cells that are, uh, sorry, the subtypes of cancers that are accessible. So how can we broaden that and make more tumors accessible to those therapies that already have been proven to work so well, right? And make that work in so many more patients and go from a minority of patients that are appropriate for those therapies to a majority. And then how many lives will we save? And what difference can we make in that front? So that's that's something we're really excited about. Awesome. Is doing partners like that. Very interesting. And for the audience, if you're not aware, so CAR T is very effective for treating um, blood cancers because it, you know it's not a solid tumor necessarily, so it's easier to penetrate those cells um, as opposed to the solid tumors where you know there's a mass and yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, being an entrepreneur, you know, from a scientist academic scientist to an, turning into an entrepreneur and having been doing this for a while now. So from your perspective, um, how is the current economic environment affecting deal flow and investments, especially for early stage biotechs like yours? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been tough out there. It really has. Um, you know, so in the spirit of full disclosure and, and keeping it real, you know, com has been around a long time. Right. And um, we started the company seven years ago, almost seven years ago. Um, and I just said, we're at pre-seed, right? Well, that doesn't track. Um, and the truth is we raised a seed round and we're focused on autoimmunity and that is extraordinarily difficult problem to, to solve. There's a reason nobody has approved a tolerogenic vaccine for autoimmune diseases, which is what we were trying to do. It's a very, very hard problem that takes a lot of money. And last September, we went out to do a series A to raise the funds to get that 
basically into clinic and the world just fell apart around us. And the, you know, it was such a high risk proposition. We needed so much money to do it. And the appetite was just not there. None of the VCs wanted to do it. Um, a lot of folks took a good look at it and they just didn't feel comfortable taking that risk and writing checks of that size. Um, and that was emblematic. Uh, we were by far from the only ones. It was just that kind of a, a crisis of confidence for the whole industry, uh, especially in biotech. Because um, I think a lot of you know big risky bets have been taken during the pandemic when everybody was really hyped for biotech. I mean, biotech saved the world and saved the, the global economy. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I think there was maybe a little too much, too much exuberance, say, and um, those chickens came home to roost a little bit. And then the next wave of companies that were raising kind of paid the price for that. So we ended up um, basically recapping and refocusing our efforts. Um, our existing investors, you know, helped us. They, they participated to lead the recap. Um, and we got a second chance, which a lot of companies do not get. And that was because we built this phenomenal platform that everyone still believed in that could be applied to different things. Um, so we decided to go for immuno-oncology just because there's so many more proven markets and like the, you know, we know what the sales cycle would look like and all of those things, like the blueprint's already there from other immunotherapies, but with autoimmune, it's really not. And that was a big challenge that we had. Like, how do you underwrite this when you don't know how the market is going to be in 10 years when you finally make it, right? Whereas now there's a blueprint for immuno-oncology. So we had to very rapidly pivot and the whole team did this phenomenal job of going from radically different mouse models to doing mouse tumor models, things like that. We started working on this um, in earnest in June and we're already getting positive data out of our mice and um, certainly in vitro data. Like that's the power of a solid team that's worked together for years. Um, the other advantage of that we had was um, because we, you know, I didn't really talk about this yet, but the particle, the nanoparticle we built, um, we built from scratch. We, we didn't license it from university or anything like that. It was literally me and my two co-founders who are a material scientist and a chemist. Um, and, you know, we, we come out of this previous company. We wanted to stay together. Um, we wanted to treat each other really well and treat everybody around us really well. Hence the name. Um, that's where it comes from. Everybody asks. Um, and we, we literally went to a brewery and took a notepad uh, and sketched out what the nanoparticle would look like. Very crude cartoon I drew and tasked the other two, like, build this. And then I can use it to modify the immune system in vivo. And that's what we did. Um, and we did it with a $50,000 check to start from a friend of mine at a steel bench and a 200 square foot lab that we borrowed from somebody else from a different company. And from there, we've you know built to nine people. We've raised a few million dollars. Now we've you know pivoted. And because we have all that history and that resilience, because we've been through all of this for years now, it meant we could come out of this really tough time standing when a lot of people didn't. Um, I will say for those of us who did make it through that, who were at the seed level, I think we've been less affected. Uh, I think seed investors are still going for it in biotech. I think, you know, the, the risks are very different at that stage. Um, so if you're at that stage, I think you're okay. But where I do see folks struggling are the folks doing A's, B's, crossover rounds, very hard right now, the crossover rounds. Um, because again, just the, the sheer size of the checks that are required, there are so few players 
and they've been burned lately. Um, so it's tough, very tough. I'm with you there. It is a tough environment. And I appreciate the culture that you guys have at Karma. It sounds like you have a good team you. behind you and really motivated yeah, and inspired by, by the, you know, you and the rest of the group, I guess. How big is the team yeah. in total? Is it, is it just three of you? Uh, it's nine, oh, nine, nine total. So mostly scientists and um, one of our investors, uh, Joe Turner, joined the, the company full time about 18 months ago. Uh, as chief business officer and chief financial officer. So he was a Wall Street guy. He's young, but he was, you know, working on Wall Street. And he realized at one point he was spending more time with his startups that he'd done seed investing in and mentoring them and helping them and enjoying it more. And he was like, I should, this should be my life. Like, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, he saw, he'd gotten to know us really well at Karma and and decided to make the jump, right? So he's, um, you know, moved to LA half time and, you know, and he's been really instrumental in, in us sort of growing as a business and not, we're a real business. We're not just a bunch of geeks in our lab tinkering, right? Which is a, a thing that a lot of early stage biotech startups, they fall into that trap. It has to be both. You have to have the, the geeks and the tinkering and the making things work. Absolutely. Um, but you also need a viable business. And I think that's where accelerators like IndieBio really excel and getting companies ready for actual, you know, proper seed funding and build a proper business, not just uh, an elaborate science experiment, right? That's true. Yeah, you have to consider, you know, what your operations look like, um, right. funding, financing, how much runway you have and all these things. Absolutely. So, um, yep. so final question before we kind of wrap up here and I'll let you also share anything else you want to. So I was in preparation for this podcast. I actually listened to uh, Startup Conversations with uh, Marie Rippon and you were on for an episode, and I learned that you were a bouncer as an undergrad, a bar, a bar bouncer, or a club bouncer, or something. And my question is, I'm wondering, have you applied any of the skills you learned in that job in your entrepreneurship endeavors, or maybe just like you know, while searching for investors, like how to how do you block certain investors? How do you accept certain investors? <laughs> That's such a pretty good analogy. Um, yeah, I you know I did, and. Um, I think the reason I took that job, you know, my choices really were I could be a waiter, I could be a bartender, or I could be a bouncer. And in the UK, there's there's no real tipping, right? So bartenders and, and waiters, are, you know, it's not quite minimum wage, but it's not far off. The hours are really long and you're serving customers and, you know, like that's that's all fine, but it just seemed more efficient to me to get paid more and do fewer hours and it was a job I was willing and able to do, you know, I'm, I'm six foot two. So I, you know, I, not everyone could have done that job. And I think what I learned from that is, um, there will be roles that only you can perform in the company for whatever reason, whether it's your background, your training, your personality, um, height, right. There are some shelves that only I can reach in the company, right? Like as a ridiculous example, some but it's spaces, it just, others yeah, can't get right. to, yeah. Yeah. So there are, and I think you have to figure out what can only I do and I should be focused on that and everything else has to get delegated wherever it's possible. Um, so I took that. And then I think the other thing I took was, um, you know, learning to read people, you know, like this, it, it's a kind of a fine art figuring out, you know, in a 20 second interaction with somebody, whether, you know, they're going to be coming into your pub and whether they're going to cause problems later. Uh, so you learn that fast and then projecting confidence when maybe you don't feel so confident, right? Because it's uh, it can be intimidating at times. 
and I am not intimidated by many people these days. So that was that. one advantage. Yeah. Um, well, I appreciate that answer and, and thanks for sharing. Um, yeah, so again, Andrew, I just want to thank you again for your time today and really appreciate you telling us more about yeah. Karma Biotech and what you're up to and your future as well. So we wish you the best you. of luck. Is there anything else you want Thanks. to share with the audience before we conclude? Uh, yeah, you know, Indie Bio Demo Day is October the 25th. Um, some phenomenal companies, not just Karma. Uh, I think there's a batch of 10, everything from climate tech to um, therapeutics. So whatever you're interested in, if, if you're an investor, show up to that. Um, we'll be putting more details on our LinkedIn, on our, um, I guess, former Twitter account, which is not Twitter anymore, um, and on our website. So our website is uh, karmabiotech.com, and we are at karmabiotech on um, not Twitter. So come and find us there. We'll keep you updated on on Demo Day and how things are going. And uh, yeah, reach out. Listening and watching, and please subscribe, share, and like so that others can also um, learn more about biotech world and karma specifically today. Thank you. Mm -hmm.